All right. So we are in First John five twelve through seventeen, and um, John in John's gospel has also said why he writes John, and in First John he's saying many times why he writes First John. So the overheading headline today is confidence in Jesus Christ. Uh, okay. Uh, confidence in Jesus Christ. <laughs> and so uh, John writes this in his gospel. He writes in 20, 30, 31. John summed me up why he has written the gospel of John as, a, as people would know. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. So he writes that, that everyone who would read the book of John would get to know that Jesus is the Christ and they can have life by believing in him. It's very interesting that when life is talked about, there's only life in Jesus. Everything else is a caricature of life. No, life is only found in Jesus. Then he writes, today and other times, or, well, not today, but through John, he's been writing, he's been saying why he's been writing. So in First in John 4, he says, we write these things that our joy may be complete. Then he talks about why he writes to the children, why he writes to, so they won't sin, um, but if they do, they have a, a advocate with a father who is Jesus Christ, righteous. Then he talked to the children, the fathers, the young men. And then today we read as he starts why he's writing this passage. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. And this is the confidence that we have towards him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. If everyone sees his brother committing a sin not leading to death, He shall ask, and God will give him life. And to those who commit sins that do not lead to death, there is a sin that leads to death. I do not say that one should pray for that. All wrongdoing is sin, but there is a sin that does not lead to death. So we'll get to that passage everybody talks about. Which one is it that leads to <laughs> which one which sin is it that leads to death? We'll get there. But the main encouragement is in the beginning. The one we've already talked about. The one where John has laid out through his whole thing, you know, like the contrast to the gospel of John where he wanted people to know 
He's wanting to encourage the believers that they do know right teaching in Jesus, the one they heard from the beginning, but also that if they believe in the name of the Son of God, they can be assured that they have eternal life. So he's writing to ensure, assure the believers that they have this eternal life. Now there can be much speculation. Was, was, the, was the ones that were bringing false teaching in saying to the believers that they didn't have eternal life? That they had to do something else or they had to do some things where they would want to rock the foundation of the teaching that God has, but, but that Jesus had by changing that teaching and changing is like, well, you don't really have eternal life if you don't do this, this, and this. You won't have eternal life if you've given me more money or whatever it was that was a false teaching. Well, you don't have eternal life if you believe that Jesus is both God and man. You can only have it if you believe he's a spirit and not man. Uh, whatever it, the thing is, John wanted them to be assured that they had eternal life. And John is very careful, as we have talked about all the time. There's only plus and minus. There's only black and white. There is no gray. So he doesn't say you all have, everyone has eternal life. No, 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 no. There's a condition. Like has always been. You know life, life. No eternal life, eternal life. But only how? You need to believe in the Son of God, in his name. You need to believe, as he has said before, that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the promised one. Or else you don't have life and you don't have eternal life. But if you do believe, you have it. And that's what he wants to encourage us with and also the believers there that was, that was being shaken. He wants exactly what what Hadis was describing, that the believers would live in great joy that as they believed in Jesus, they were changed and they now have eternal life with Jesus. They actually, we actually have real life. Why can we be broken hearted when people are wrecking the shell of their lives? It's because we have tasted what real life is. How wonderful and beautiful life can be when it's lived to the glory of God. That we are set free from sin and not slaves of sins. I was just thinking that as I was running today. Because people today claim so much, well, I have freedom. I can do whatever I want. Well, that's, that is a shell of a life where you're just a slave to yourself and what you want. No, freedom in Christ is freedom to live a life where Jesus is the master and not me. And who is the best God? You or Jesus? Jesus is way more kind. He's way more loving. And there's only a life found in his name. So living for our own name would always be slavery and just a shell of the life that the Lord has for us. So it's not like, it's not that we obtain it ourselves. It's what Meyer said earlier. No, Jesus obtains eternal life. 
by his life and his death. And we see that he has eternal life because he conquers death. So it's not our religious work. That was also the things we talked about earlier, the religious works, the self-righteous people. It's like, no, I earned it myself. And you had the other people and others that were like, I can never do it. And that's true too, because Jesus could do it. None of those people could do it, but Jesus did. So he earned it for us and made it possible for us to be adopted into his family. And the one thing I've read at some point, I can't now I can't find it. But when we talk about eternal life, it's not just it's not just long duration. It's also quality. If you remember back to what John, uh, uh, what's his name? His name is Jesus. Said to, said to John in John 10.10 10, that the enemy comes to seek, steal, and destroy, but I've come to give you life in abundance. So people say, you're just going to get rich. No, it's the quality of life. The abundance is the quality of life. And that's when we talk about eternal life is that it's not a shell of a life. It's what life really should be with God. That there's a way for the believer to experience everything more the way that the Lord has asked. That there's good and bad. We can also feel more sad than anyone, but we can also feel more joy than anyone because we can see how all things, if done right, they can be done to the glory of God and that can be worship. So somebody described it as, it's not that people, because of common grace, everyone can experience like real great things. But for the believer, the ceiling can be broken. So let's say, this is for unbelievers. But for us, if we can see and give glory to God, every part of our lives, it can exceed anything that people can experience. Because the Lord has made it only possible that everything can be done unto Him as worship. So when, when people say, do everything to the glory of God, Yes, that means that all parts of our life can become worship. And so there's something about the life we live that can have a different quality to it. Lee said, "You already spoke that sermon last time." Yeah, yeah, but we just had we just had to get this. Uh, <laughs> we just had to get this one. So in this uh, verse two. Um, oh, this is the guy. So that was like the part of the like shaking up other people. John knew it was possible to be saved in doubt, but those who deny this must deny John fifteen three thirteen. I believed he also knew that doubt will discourage us cause us fear, lose confidence and negatively impart our joy. So so it's possible for us to doubt, but it's not like an encouragement to doubt. So he's encouraging people and that's why John wants to encourage his readers and us. No, you do have eternal life. I think I have another slide. 
He wants assurance that we're saved. That we must look to Christ and believe. We must look to the cross and trust. And then we must examine our obedience and our affections. And the avenues of assurance are found on every corner in First John. In other words, in First John, John is really trying to encourage all the believers to believe that what they believe is true. And they won't listen to the false teaching and that they will grow in joy and in love of who God is. So, if we have believed in Jesus, we have eternal life, we trust that God has done this, then what? Well, then John says something about prayer. And this is the confidence we have towards him, that we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request we've asked of him. Now this is like, <laughs> this whole uh, passage is like, this one and the next one is a, <laughs> has, br- has brought, I think has brought a lot of false teaching and a lot of destruction, which I think is <laughs> John's main, uh, uh, what, the opposite of what he wants. Because John seems to be very clear that we need to have confidence in Jesus Christ, then we'll have confidence that he listens to us when we pray. But what is the, what is the clause? That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Okay. So there's, it's not just I pray and I believe really hard and now I get whatever I want. No, it's, I think if this is not taken out of context and just taken out, then I think John is really here ex- um, exposing, exposing and destroying the prosperity gospel. Because what is he saying? According to his will. Not yours. According to his will. And I was just like, I was going through this in my mind. And I, I couldn't write it down, so I'll try to just say it. But of course that's true. Of course a God wouldn't give us what we want. Because he knows better. And then in uh, all conferences and stuff, and people would say, I'm sure that you prayed for something in your youth, and now you're happy you didn't get it. Yes, I am. So it's not, this is kind of the notion that God should give us whatever we want. It's God's wrath. We read that in Romans 1. That if we continue, if human being goes, continues to want what is not God, God's wrath then gives that when they stop worshiping him and worshiping people. So a good father that we we pray to, we pray according to his will because that's the best will for us. Not that we get whatever we want, no, that we get what he wants, 
other people says prayer all of our prayers would be what God wants for us if we knew how to pray them and also the answers would be but sometimes we just don't know <laughs> and I don't think there's anything wrong with just expressing like I want this and uh, this is what's on my heart this is what's on my mind I don't think God's like you're so stupid no like it's a, it's a conversation with God about what's in my heart and what is it that I want but the submission is what we see in Jesus it's not my will it's your will we've had a long conversation God now about all I would like you to do but I submit myself to you because I don't want what's not your will well maybe I do sometimes but I would like you God to, <laughs> to sort that out and then not listen to that part and do what you want because that's the best thing so this is a strong encouragement from John to pray because if we know and believe in Jesus and we ask in his name he, he hears us and then he just says this so good and you can be confident that when you do that then you have that request now the other part would be do I believe that like do I believe that do I live that out am I so confident as what John writes have doubt and fear swayed me so that I don't really believe I can pray well to God or have I am I in rebellion am I in sin am I treating my wife badly Peter says he's not going to listen to my prayer then Do I have any idea what God's will is? Because how are we supposed to pray if we don't know? So again, it's a, it's a drawing in of confidence in who Jesus is will give us confidence to approach him. But if we have no idea who he is or we've forgotten all about him, we're so consumed with what we do, then John draws us back to know the confidence should be that Jesus is the son of God and when you pray in God's will he'll give us he'll give you what you pray for the encouragement that that God gives us what we pray for is then also not just encouragement to pray for ourselves but to pray for others as he has in the next verses oh well that's what that guy said about prayer that's, that's pretty good the encouragement is that if we know who Jesus is then we have eternal life in him that would then would encourage us to pray because he would listen to us and hear us when we were praying his will knowing that he does that then he encourages us to pray for one another if 
If anyone sees his brother committing a sin not leading to death, he shall ask and God will give him life. That's what we talked about. Not a shell of a life, but real life. The person seems to be going astray. He needs real life. Not um, a shell of a life. To those who commit sin that do not lead to death. There's a sin that leads to death. I do not say that one should pray for that. Then he concludes as, well, everything, everything is bad, so it's not like you should continue to sin. All wrongdoing is sin. But there's a sin that does not lead to death. Okay. What are you talking about? Okay, so... We start from the back. All wrongdoing is sin, so there's no room to just sin. Be like, oh, it's okay to sin because I don't doesn't lead to death. No. Jesus did not die on the cross for us to be like, oh, I can just sin all I want. No. And that's what they mock, mock, mockingly say that Paul said. And Paul continues like, no, we don't sin that grace may abound. We've already offended the king of the universe. We've we've already rebelled against God. We don't need to add purposeful sin to that. So no, all wrongdoing sin. And sometimes I think that this passage, all the passage says, like we get lost in the in the um, in the mystery of it, because what he really wants us to do is to pray for for people, pray for people who are making not good decisions. And I don't know if you ever done this, but now I'll share a hypothetical example from my life. Sometimes you see people do dumb things. And you might talk to yourself or somebody else like that is really dumb. They shouldn't do that. It's going to be a. That's going to be really bad. That's probably they're probably going to get divorced in some years if that person does that. That's not what John says we should do. John says that in the confidence we have in who Jesus is, we should run to Jesus and drop to our knees and pray that God would give them life. I can just see in my own life how sometimes, which is weird because we live in it all the time, that sometimes uh, sin shocks me to like, oh, I'm just shocked about it, and I don't pray. John's asking us to do the opposite. He's asking us to do that when we see somebody doing something not good, we should pray, not just think about how dumb that is, or how not good it is. But because we have confidence in Jesus that we have eternal life that we can't lose, that we can, we can come to Jesus and we can ask for those things. And that, as Muir said to one of the Bible studies, is always God's will. That people will have true life and not be led astray by sin. encounters like shouldn't we pray for people yeah we should we should pray for people but what about the last part he says I don't say you should pray for that well there is so many different views of what this thing is the sin that leads to death I think this was the one where um
where they take it and look, look, well, what is it that John's trying to do all the time? And then they just take it from there. There's all sorts of things. The thing that most of us would say is also what Jesus says. Like if you say his spirit is is a demon, well, if you continue in that, that's you can't be a believer. If you continue in unrebellion or in, rebe- in, a, in rebellion against God your whole life, like demons also can't like be forgiven. So there is sin that leads to death. Um, this guy writes, uh, it's expected that we'll make intercession uh, for people and that we expect that God would grant that request. So what Paul's saying, what John's saying is, if we know Jesus, if we know we have an eternal life, if we know that Jesus listens to it, it's expected that we intercede for people, that God may grant life to people. And that should be according to his will to do that. That's the one I thought I was going to read. <laughs> the sin that leads to death is uh, death is a deliberate refusal to believe in Jesus Christ, to follow God's commands, and to love one's brothers. This was the behavior of those who were seeking to deceive John's hearers. This interpretation makes the most sense within the context of the letter. So I would actually also agree with this with whoever this person is was very small that it's it is specific to what John writes about in this section uh, that it's a, the sin that encompasses those people will not repent and they will not uh, love they will not believe that Jesus is the Christ they won't love their brothers and they will they are out to deceive John's hearers um, that kind of makes good sense that that will be a sin that leads to death then all the controversy well shouldn't we pray for those people well there comes a point and it, it's sometimes it's difficult and it's not it is, and what somebody pointed out it's not that you're not allowed to uh, some people you should pray for everyone some people say no you shouldn't it's all over the place he just says I don't say that one should pray for those that doesn't mean you can't but it also comes to a point where Jesus says, don't throw your pearls before swine. So there is some kind of a, a thing. But, I don't, and, but because we don't know, we're still encouraged to pray for people and we're also even lo- to love our enemies. So, John wanted to encourage all the people he's writing to. He wants them to give, um, he wants them to be assured that they have eternal life in Jesus. He wants that to be an encouragement to pray to God and to intercede for others, that they won't be led astray by the false teachers. This, uh, this one guy has this summary where he sums up the whole thing. Summing up all these reasons for writing First John goes like this. 
I'm writing because you are true believers. But there are deceivers in your midst. And you should be and you should be rock solid, confident in your procession of eternal life as regenerated children of God. So that you are not drawn away after sin. And if this letter that and if if the letter has this effect, my joy will be complete. Or or joy. So the hearts of his reason for writing is the desire to help them know that they are born again. That they have new spiritual life. Eternal life. That's the encouragement. The encouragement is that and it fits my personality but not all and not, not the world's personality is that there is only death life plus minus plus black white there's nothing in between either you're born of the devil or you're born of God he's encouraging the believers that they are born of God and have eternal life and they should pray and they should know that when they pray they will be answered when they pray in the Lord's will and so we should just do that and then the person on the left would say I can do it in myself I'm strong enough to do this and then the person on the right would say I can't do it, it's impossible yes it's impossible and you can't do it by yourself that's why we come here to worship Jesus this is only possible in Jesus it's only possible when we've seen who he is and that's what he says we need to believe in his name we need to know that we have been cleansed by his blood resurrected died with him and resurrected with him our our faith in Jesus is not another slave system where we just have to do better and just do it on our own no, the cry of the Christian faith is it's been done. Now come and do things because you love me. Not because you earn my love. So that's the call we have. And that's the good news we have. That's the great joy we have. That's what we can share with everyone. Come and get to know Jesus. He has eternal life. A quality of life that you've never had Amen. Here, Father, we just uh, thank you for First John. Thank you for the encouragements He gives that when we doubt, you're always faithful. You're always the same, and you are steadfast. You don't change. Your truth is always the truth and Jesus, the teaching you gave is always true. And so Lord, I ask that when we fear or get overwhelmed or are shocked by the sins of ourselves or people around us, I pray we run to you. I pray we encourage one another by praying for one another interceding for one another interceding on people who need to know you and who need to have true life in you 
And Holy Spirit, I pray when we are doubting or are not sure or don't know what to do, I pray that you will remind us. Give us a thirst for your word, a thirst to worship you, a thirst to pray for one another. A thirst to know what you want us to do and how we should pray. And we have confidence that you answer us according to you. May you bless each of us. May you bless the kids. May you again fill us with your Holy Spirit and give us strength and courage the rest of the day and the coming week. But we will be bold and ask, use us this week. Encourage us. Give us strength to show people who you are. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have comments, questions, angry outbursts, you're welcome to come talk. And you're also very welcome to not run away. If you would like somebody to pray with you, this should always be possible as well. That's also a way we can encourage one another. So, As we say many times, it is our goal every time in all the things that we do to point you to Jesus. Because that's where we have true life and get true encouragement. So let's rise and then have the benediction. Now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will working in us that which is pleasing in his sight. So Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. And don't run away. There's uh, dinner.